I've seen it. Like, right. yeah. Hang out for Yeah, yeah. And it's just like dull, and everybody in there is sad yeah. and cold. Yeah, and you're like, well, this is for trying stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Um, all right, dude, I think we're good to jump in if you are. Um, yeah. All right, well, ladies and gents, welcome back to Articulate. Uh, today we've got uh, Sam Wolf. Welcome to the pod, Sam. How you doing? Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today we are here to talk about Genesis. Genesis. <laughs> I'm excited. So, yeah, I, I guess this is kind of what I was talking about. Like, why... I guess what is your personal connection to Genesis the band, and like why would why did you choose to talk about them? So, I first heard Genesis. Um, I was in I was in high school. I think I was around like sixteen. Hmm. Um, That's I, a perfect time for music to really hit yeah. you. Yeah. Um, you know, I was listening to the classics like uh, like Thick as a Brick, Close to the Edge, um, and then I heard Selling England by the Pound, which is generally considered um, the like their masterpiece really that's um that's the first one so that's number three the first one that hit like the top charts in the uk is i did a little bit of research but that's when okay so you i don't mean to cut you off sorry that's Uh, fine um my first like wow moment with their music was on that album the second to last song the cinema show okay has these like soaring uh keyboard uh solos near the end that just like it was so like sonically perfect i was like i need more of this yeah and then like it's it's it, this this the early genesis stuff that it's it's the kind of music where like the more you go back and like you pay attention to like certain aspects like sometimes you'll be like oh this song's got like uh, much weirder lyrics than i than i initially thought or like wow i didn't notice this uh this little drum groove or this or this little you know guitar like yeah so it's like one of those things where you basically you hear it you kind of like it uh, but and then some yeah. part of their discography yeah. grabs you you're like okay if i liked this song this much then yeah. there's probably more that i liked in the stuff and i kind of missed then you go back and you start hearing like all the little things yeah. that like make each song unique yeah yeah that's cool yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the funny the funniest thing um or one of the funniest things about like getting into this band is you probably hear like, you know, some of their later stuff on the radio, like that's all or like land of confusion or Mm -hmm. something like that. And you're like, and it doesn't immediately hit you that it's the same band. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, how'd we get to this point? (laughs) I didn't realize how deep the, the history went when I was looking into it, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, so many people who like, they love Phil Collins. They love Peter Gabriel. They do not know who Genesis are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Genesis is the Genesis of Phil Collins. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's let's take a step back. Prague Rock. How would Prague you define Prague Rock? Uh. So the reason it's called progressive rock is because it sort of takes the uh, rock as it was known, and um, it they tried to make it more of a, you know, more of like a. I don't want to say like sophisticated art form, but basically um, the songs got longer, uh, more complex. They started using like, um, you know, odd time signatures. Um, the lyrics were often very poetic. Sure. Um, so as opposed yeah. to like, I guess like rock in general, and I mean, this is a general, you know, generalization for sure. Mm-hmm. But like before this, what you're saying prog rock did differently is 
it sounds like rock was more just like, oh, this is like hard guitar. This is kind of fun. It's kind of like almost punky a little bit compared to what music we were, you know, was mainstream before. Yeah, people typically thought of rock in like, you know, the first half of the 60s as, you know, just like a two or three minute song, uh, you know, verse, chorus, maybe guitar solo. Yeah. Uh, the playing, you know, was aggressive and like... Um, Something you could bob your head to. Yeah. Um, people often credit the like the big bang of prog rock as uh, when King Crimson released in the court of the Crimson King mm. in 1969. Um, but before that, the album that like really set in motion, like what else can rock do uh, is often stated to be Sergeant Pepper. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is, is just disputed by some people, but that was the first album to like in the mainstream people were like, Whoa, yeah, like the most popular band in the world is putting out, you know, this album as another band, and it sounds, you know, they're <laughs> doing all these different styles, and it ends with a day in the life, which like, uh, oh god, we could do a whole podcast yeah, yeah, about yeah. that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just crescendos, and there's so much yeah. complexity to it, and yeah, everything like that. But we're not here to talk about the Beatles. We're not here to talk about this. <laughs> not uh, this time anyway. But but yeah, I mean. Genesis' first album, though, came out in 1968, so that is before, or around the same time as Sgt. Pep. Uh, yeah. Okay, but they so, weren't even prog rock for their first one, is what I read. Yeah. Uh, that first album, a lot of people don't really consider it, like, it, it is officially the first Genesis album, but it's not, like, you know, the first album where they really sound like themselves. Yeah. Because it was, uh, it was produced by their manager at the time, Jonathan King. Oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, who actually came up with the name Genesis mm. um, because he felt it was a new beginning for him. <laughs> um, and the album was more in the style of like, it was like a Baroque psychedelic pop, uh, kind of like uh, like the Bee Gees and the Moody Blues. Gotcha. Um, so, Well, as we learn, yeah. their style changes so frequently too. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but that album sold in the triple digits. Oh, it, to say it flopped was an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> but no, when it uh, when it came out, it was called "From Genesis to Revelation," right? And because of the title, uh, record store owners would see it in their shipments, and they would go, "Oh, it's a Christian record. Throw it in the religious <laughs> section." <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Which, and so people ignored it. Yeah. Do you think it's uh, underrated? Not. It's not that good. <laughs> it's honestly, especially I, when you're coming out I, when the Beatles are coming out of the shit. Yeah, like I, yeah. like I listened to it once, and honestly, I have not had a drive to go back. Okay, cool. Fuck that album. Yeah, <laughs> but awesome. so, so what? What drove them to start trying? Was it was it because mainstream was getting into progressive rock a little bit more, or did they just want to be a little bit more artistic with what they were doing? Well, for a lot of bands, uh, when King Crimson dropped that album, it was a big. Uh, like wake up call eye opener yeah um so when genesis uh, like a after that first album they like went back to school got like diplomas and then decided to revisit the whole music thing huh um that's cool and they came out with their second album trespass trespass and i should note the lineup at this point is uh peter gabriel on vocals tony banks on keys uh mike rutherford on bass uh anthony phillips on guitar and they got John Mayhew on drums. Hmm. Um, Phil Collins would not join until the following 
uh, record. Nursery crime. Nursery crime. Right, right, right. Um, but this Trespass is a very significant album because, um, first off, it ends with the knife, which ended up being a live staple for years to come. Really? Um, in fact, the the live version of the knife on Genesis Live is like one of my favorite live recordings. Really? It is. God, they go insane. <laughs> But uh, that's cool. Yeah. And that's cool. It was written before, like, they were even really, you know, had a lot of their staple. Yeah. Well, they still had a lot of their staple people. Yeah. Um, But this this was the album where they they really, like, found their sound. Okay. Cool. So this is, yeah, because this is the one that kind of listed as, like, really when they first started doing progressive rock and and really started, um, you know, crafting a little bit more complex, even, like, conceptual ideas for their albums and things like that, which is cool. Um, So what happened? Well, uh, <laughs> they went on tour for Trespass. Uh, Anthony Phillips uh, started to, they started to get like more success and Anthony Phillips started to feel the, uh, pressure. the pressure of, yeah. you know, the, Isn't that crazy? the success. How people get famous and they're like, I don't think I want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> it just happens to a lot of bands. Uh, yeah. Rush lost their, I think they lost their first drummer for the same reason. Yeah. But anyway, Anthony Phillips quit. Hmm. And they sort of had, they had a meeting, um, Gabriel Banks and Rutherford had a meeting and they were like, should we even keep going? Cause mm. they considered Phillips to be like an integral part of their sound. Right. This was the closest they ever came to breaking up according to Tony Banks. Wow. But they decided to, that they would keep going if they got a drummer who could be an equal contributor to the songs. And boy, did they. And boy, did did they they were so (laughs) they were i I can't tell you how lucky they were to find phil collins because they from from what like from what you read and what's in like the documentaries they immediately hit it off with him like from a social standpoint like he was funny yeah he could he could do backing vocals like he harmonized great with peter gabriel right and he was an incredible drummer yeah Yeah, he just checked all the boxes (laughs) um and so they continue they they kept touring with now Collins on drums and this temp guy, Mick Barnard on guitar mm. um, until one Steve Hackett mm, yeah. uh, answered an ad in, I forget which paper. Uh, <laughs> or no, or no, he put an ad in the paper. Peter Gabriel read it. Right. Uh, he said like, I'm a guitarist who wants to like change the world. Okay. Um, well, that's a good way to catch somebody's attention. I forget what the ad Damn, was. But he, he, was like, I wanna, he was like, I want to revolutionize something yeah um revolution so the music industry prog rock yeah he wants to be he wants to progress the rock the rock yeah yeah <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> um so they got a hack it and then after the tour they went to the studio to record nursery crime mm. the first album Fun name gotta say great name <laughs> Uh, first album with what is considered the classic lineup. Yes, this one they uh, yeah. This is where they they use Gabriel. So classic lineup. They use Gabriel's theatrical costumes for yes. these amazing performances. So we should talk about the live shows. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because this is important. Because this is actually another. Uh, this was another reason for my personal connection. Because okay, cool. Um, their live shows around this point started getting more. Uh, as you said, theatrical. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Gabriel decided to, uh, for one show, uh, put on uh, his wife's dress and a fox mask. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> Classic <laughs> furries. Dude. It was a huge hit with the audience. I think he actually, I think he actually did it during the uh, instrumental break in the musical box, uh, <laughs> which. <laughs> It's future albums. They started having to put in instrumental breaks yeah. so Peter could go get changed during the shows. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, and that was pre-planned by him too. That wasn't just like, oh, I got this dress, and you know, I got, you can't have yeah. a dress and a fox mask. You got to do that, and you got to not tell the bandmates because they're going to say no. <laughs> they're going to say absolutely the hell not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the fans loved it. Yeah, and so they they kept doing it. Right. Um. And so what really drew me to the, the more Damn, you're a furry. That's cool. <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> um, what really drew me to the more, like, whimsical side of um, Genesis, and I guess their sort of their type of showmanship, was I, I saw a tribute band called The Musical Box, mm. which still tours, like, to this day, and they are, like, officially licensed by the members of Genesis as, like, the tribute band for those early oh, shows. Damn. They they even gave them like actual props that they used back in the day. Oh wow. Like it's Yeah. Like it, it and it's extremely accurate. Yeah, that's sick. And, and that's another thing. I mean, we could, you know, go of course we're going to go more into that, but like what's cool is that there's tribute bands for different parts of the band's like history. Yeah. So it's cuz they've all got such a different Genesis sound. needs it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um but yeah, that's cool. They got original props. I, can you imagine being a tribute member and then you get the fox mask and having to build the, you get the fox mask, you have to build a Slipperman costume, <laughs> which we will touch on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that's sick. No, that'd be amazing. I would love that. So you've seen their concerts? I've seen them multiple times. I'm seeing them again in a couple months. Okay. They're going to do The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing. Right, right. Well, that's pretty far. That, you know, we're still up in 19. That's a couple albums that's ahead. Three, three years later. Yeah. 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 So a, a couple more reasons nursery crime is uh, important. Mm -hmm. uh, the musical box was a big um, presentation in their live shows. Um, it featured the first uh, vocal from Phil Collins. Okay. Um, on the second track for Absent Friends. Um. And it features uh, the songs Harold the Barrel about a restaurant owner who uh, cuts off his toes and serves them with tea <laughs> uh, and then commits suicide because of it. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, also features the return of the giant hogweed, uh, which opens with a killer riff. That's all you need. That's all you need. Well, and a sick name and story to go behind and it. A sick but... name and story. Yeah. Speaking of stories, that's another thing they did in the live shows. Hmm. Uh, so in between songs, the band would have to tune up, um, and the singer would have to keep the crowd entertained. Right. So Peter started writing uh, stories hmm. to like introduce the songs. Oh, that's that um, is cool. Yeah. Actually, like an introduction. So like, so like the front cover a of yeah. 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 So the front cover of Nursery Crime uh, has a little girl uh, playing croquet. Okay. And in the story that Gabriel tells before they play the musical box, it tells the story of a little girl who is playing croquet with her brother, mm -hmm. and she uh, knocks his head off with the croquet mallet. Holy His spirit is stored in a musical box. So this is the, we're getting into the story of the song. Yeah. His spirit is stored in a musical box. <laughs> 
And years later, hmm. uh, some like uh, cleaning lady, I think, hmm. uh, opens the box and the boy's spirit comes out and starts aging rapidly. Because oh. at this point, he should be an old man. Right. He starts aging rapidly. Ugh. He's going through puberty. <laughs> he's he's begging the woman to touch him. Yeah. And uh, it and it ends with a musical cue that I think uh, alludes to his death. Okay. Just so you think we're not sure though. Yeah. Well, that's what artists, true artists, do is leave it ambiguous. Yeah. Right. Right. Because it's not in the lyrics, but the but the music is very final. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good way to yeah and yeah. yeah yeah chop that there, damn that's fucking crazy. That, you want to talk about the art of storytelling, and yeah. and mixing that with music. I mean that's definitely like very complex and I couldn't even, man. There was like that strange. I don't know. Maybe obviously it wasn't just that period, but I feel like a lot of songs around that time were telling like crazy stories like that. Yeah, I mean if. Yeah, I there mean, was also even like, like the Beatles, like Maxwell Silver Hammer. Yeah. You know well, there's I mean? the, there's the famous. Uh, I mean, I mean Pink Floyd at the Wall. Right, the Wall. Yeah, that's true. Um, huh. Which came several years after this. Yeah, true. Um, Foxtrot, uh, they. I'd, I'd say it's got more a, a bit more a, a bit of a darker sound. Okay. The Nursery Crime. It's not as. Well, I mean, it's, it's 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 got that like dark whimsy that Nursery Crime had. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, some, something about the production and the chord choices, uh, pl- plus the album cover being more like more of a blue than a green, mm. uh, sort of gives this album more of a like time to take us seriously feel. Yeah. Isn't that weird how album covers affect you like that, too? Yeah. The aesthetic of an album cover, you're like, all right, that's what I'm going to think about going into this album. Yeah. <laughs> and then it really just, just changed the tone. Well, they used to... God, I I could I could do a whole rant about how str- about how like streaming has has killed the art of the of the album casing. Mm. I don't know, it's still alive, but just I would say maybe not as um, influential and yeah. popular. But but okay, darker, a little bit darker. Right. Fox Foxtrot, a little darker. Yeah, uh, twenty three minute song that takes up the full B side. Yeah, <laughs> but the A side also has its fair share of. Of hits, we got uh, "Watcher of the Skies," which they uh, would often use to open their their concerts because it's it you know it's it's got the the Mellotron chords. Mm. Uh, it's very you know grand and epic. Mm. Grandiose. Um, yeah. yeah. Timetable, I think, is a super underrated song. Okay. Um, it doesn't get talked about much, but I think it's really pretty. Sure. Um, "Get Him Out by Friday" is another comedic story. Okay. Um, this one's about um, a building full of people who uh, get evicted. I, I don't remember. <laughs> they like they get evicted at some. Uh, they get evicted uh, unless they like unless they shorten themselves to four feet or shorter, so they can make room for more tenants in the building. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Uh, can utility in the coastliners is a story about. Uh, it's it's based on like some old uh, myth mm. about a king who. Yeah, you said this. These were darker, but I would say toes and in suicide are a little bit. You know, cutting off toes and suicide. Yeah, but bit. the this this it's played for laughs. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. song's very like bouncy and jaunty. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, you can you can tell when they when they want to be taken seriously and when they're like, 
uh, trying to be goofy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, that attribute is pres- is present in no other song better than the B-side to Foxtrot, Supper's Ready. Mm-hmm. Um, considered by many to be the band's best song. Um, how to describe Supper's Ready? <laughs> it's a... It's a love story. Okay. I'll say that. It's, but it's not about falling in love. Because mm-hmm. it starts off, uh, you know, the couple is living domestic life. Mm-hmm. Um, but then all this weird stuff happens. The guy uh, sees, you know, six men with hoods in his lawn with a seventh walking in front, mm. holding a cross. There's this, like, cult-like leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy's like... Uh, no, don't follow him. He's fooled you. Um, <laughs> Basically. Yeah, Narcissus turns to a flower. <laughs> Peter Gabriel goes, a flower. <laughs> and then they, That's the highlight of the song. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go into, into a silly section, which this is followed by Apocalypse in 9-8, um, which, cont- which uses a very unconventional use of the 9-8 time signature. Um, I think it's... I think it's a group of four, a group of three, and a group of, of two. I'm not... I saw, a, I saw a video about this once. Yeah. There's a whole video breaking down the math behind this song. Well, behind <laughs> the 9-8 time signature. Right, right, right. But there is a video of... Uh, if you go on YouTube, you can find Supper's Ready Illustrated. Hmm. Uh, yeah, because it sounds like a short yeah. film, so you can like watch, 23 yeah, minutes so you, long. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just like, you know, drawings set to the song's lyrics. Yeah. And like, th- that's, where, that's where I'm pulling the, the story the in my story head from. from. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, God, what is he doing that in yeah. that line drawing? <laughs> because Peter Gabriel writes very vague lyrics. Okay. <laughs> His lyrics are hard to understand. I think that's why once Collins became the singer... Um, they started finding more of an audience. Okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, what, the reception yeah. to both of these, Foxtrot and Selling England by the Pound. Selling England by the Pound. Is the first one that was number three in UK. I think it was, like, number 40 in the US, something like yeah. that. Um, so they they did, while it wasn't, you know, the mainstream one that you're kind of talking about that Phil Collins started to bring in, it was, you know, a, a specific uh, niche of people. That For were, people who were into Prague at mm-hmm. the time, um, it was a big deal. It was a big, big deal. Okay. Um, this album has a lot of their most, I'd say, iconic moments oh, as cool. a prog band. Um, Dancing with the Moonlit Night, mm. Firth of Fifth, mm. um, The Cinema Show, like I said earlier, um, which is what drew me in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Battle of Epping Forest mm. is this album's uh, comedic moment. Um, and it's where Peter Gabriel's, uh, wordiness store sort of started to become most apparent. His wordiness. Because this, al- uh, this song is uh, like 10, 15 minutes long and there's a lot of lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> he fits a lot in. He fits a lot in. He, he even sings over parts that were supposed to be instrumental, yeah. oh, which is sure. something, <laughs> which is something the others got mad at him for a lot. Right. 
Um, well, I assume once you're yeah. writing poems and preludes and interludes, at some point you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to write a full story yeah. here, and we're going to throw it on top of this. Oh, it also, the album also has I Know What I Like, mm-hmm. um, which became, which also, it became probably their most played live song. Mm-hmm. Um, I Know What I Like, okay. Yeah, it was their first, like... Yeah, I know it, what I like in your wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> yeah. It had some chart success. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel and Hackett both started to resent playing the song live so much. Mm. Um, and it, if you if you got to hear it a lot, it does get kind of annoying. Right. Um, but it's good at a concert to like get people to sing along. Yeah, yeah, of course. I like the song. Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those, like, uh, I love Weezer, and but I don't want to hear Beverly Hills, like, over and over and over again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's more like, it, it would be more like a Weezer fan who's, like, sick of Buddy Holly. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Because it's still kind of classic. Because we, we, like, we still acknowledge that it is a great song. Oh, cool. It's just a little overplayed. Gotcha. Okay, that's a better parallel then. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> you got to translate it to Weezer terms to Weezer for me. Terms. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they did the tour for Selling England. Mm-hmm. It was their biggest tour yet. Um, a lot of shows in the U.S. Um, and one day, uh, during a show, after a show in New York, Peter Gabriel walks down the street and goes to uh, this, like, art house movie theater where they're playing a surrealist film uh, called El Topo. This is, I have not seen this film. I've seen clips. Uh, it's very disturbing. <laughs> There's a lot of um, gore, grotesque yeah. imagery. Um, but it inspired the neck, the story for the next Genesis album. Okay. The lamb lies down on Broadway. Yeah. Anything that has to do with lambs is going to be scary for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Silence of the lambs. Silence of the lambs. Uh, That's the, the, only... the Bible. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there a lamb in there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but that's, so the lamb lies down on Broadway. After, yeah. Fully inspired by this grotesque film. Fully inspired, mostly inspired by this grotesque film. Um, but basically, they were gaining a reputation for being... Um, a little too British. Mm. Um, Cause selling England by the pound was full of like, it was actually a lot of social commentary on like the state of the British economy at the time. I'm very um, apparent in the name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the, in the first song dancing with the moonlit night. Hmm. Um, but this next album, they decided to do what any prog band does after they have their big success, do a double album. Of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is the one that confused me. That was like, they both came out in 1976. Is that the one you're talking about? No. Oh, you're still talking... Oh, because this is the longest album. You're talking about yeah. Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Yeah. Number 10, UK. Concept album. Yeah. The band went back and forth about, you know, what the story should be for a while. Um, but in the end, Gabriel wrote this story about a Puerto Rican immigrant in New York named Rail... R-A-E-L, um, who goes through, who starts off as this, like, uh, hyper-masculine, like, tough guy and goes through a journey of self-discovery and discovers that he is not uh, as tough as he thought he was. <laughs> that is a very general description of the story. Yeah. And this is another reason why album packaging is important, because they printed a summary of the story 
in the liner notes of the album. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that way you... you Which now you have to look up online. Yeah, are you supposed to read that before you listen to the album? (laughs) Not necessarily. It's more of like a... I guess it's more of like a while you listen to it. Yeah. Well, you're putting it on and you're like examining the, you know, going over yeah. the, the artwork and everything. I mean, I, I listened to it before anything. Okay. Right, um, right, right. Before I knew the, anything about the story. Sure. Because um, you found it on a streaming service. Yeah. Because we live in a terrible day and age. That's right. <laughs> um, what do I want to touch on next with this album? So Peter Gabriel had a big vision for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted to make sure it was fully realized. Uh, so he was very controlling of the live show and of the lyrics on the album. Mm. Um, Sounds like this was his baby. Yeah. There yeah. were some parts where there were some times where like uh, he asked the others to write more music because he had more story he wanted to put in, <laughs> um, which like. We're glad he did that because that gave us Carpet Crawlers, mm. which is one of my personal favorite Genesis songs, and, and for a lot of people too. Mm-hmm. The Lamb has moments where you're you're kind of like they're 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 reaching for ideas. Mm. Um, there are moments where they're just like little you know instrumental interludes, right? Uh, because again, Gabriel wanted time to get changed. <laughs> um, yeah, that's still a theme. Running yeah, right, right. there are uh, there are parts where they there there are parts where they on the, mostly on the second disc where they had to like get songs that they wrote like years ago mm. and just like change the words that mm. they never released. That's pretty cool. So like demos. Yeah. If um, <laughs> if it were modern, it's actually era, it's actually it. kind of. Uh, it's it's kind of fitting because this was Gabriel's last album with the band, and it was it was sort of like he was getting you know all the last of the ideas out yeah before he moved on yeah um a little bit of closure yeah nice but the album has a, a lot a lot of, of amazing moments right um well like you said the, I mean there's parts where you're like all right they're reaching but there's also probably parts where you're like holy shit oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. um. It is a challenging listen right? all the way through. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could say that about, like, anybody that releases, like, I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about going back to it, like, fucking Mozart was trying to release, like, three-hour plays, and by the end of it, it's like, too long. I don't want to yeah. get through all this. I just know? saw it, Avatar 2. Yeah, too And long. by the end, I had to pee. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as with this album, there are good parts or bad parts. First part. It's mostly good. Right. It's a good concept album, yeah. But it's a challenging yeah. lesson. The others, the other members of the band, didn't really uh, get it. They probably got worn out with it real easily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Which, it was also challenging because um, Gabriel's wife just went had just gone through um, a difficult childbirth. Oh, see, that'll do it. Yeah, and you so didn't she was like, brought that up at the top, We're talking about this gory, grotesque movie, and you don't talk about a gory, grotesque oh, yeah. birth. Oh, yeah, that definitely inspired it, too. Yeah. Um, so he was having to go back and forth uh, between, like, home and, and the studio. Yeah. Um, and the others were getting a little frustrated. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's your coworker, and you're yeah. like, bro, you got to show up so we can yeah. work. Yeah. In fact, they even had to delay the album. 
Because they were still finishing it. You're gonna say delay the birth. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they they told the baby like, hold on. Yeah, yeah just just stay in there for a second. We gotta, we gotta write a couple more songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's cool though. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense as to why after this he did end up leaving because of all this um, tension. You know, yeah. the the concept of the album, the the length yeah. of it, the complexity, but also what's going on in his personal life yeah. and all that stuff. And it all came to a head during the tour. Hmm. So I mentioned before they delayed the album, and it it came out on the day the tour started in, I think, the UK. Mm-hmm. So all these people showed up. They hadn't heard any of this music, oh. and they weren't going to be playing the hits. Yeah, that sucks. So the, the, the crowd had kind of a lukewarm reaction. Right. So when you're touring with these people and the crowd isn't responding as well yeah. as you'd like, it probably ruins. Yeah. I mean, having a, a shitty, you know, open mic, is, is, as yeah. bad as I can be, is like, all right, I want to kill myself. I don't want to yeah. do this anymore. Yeah. So I got to a point where, uh, I, oh, my God, the costumes mm. during this show. I mentioned the Slipper Man before. The Slipper Man was this, like, big, grotesque, like, thing covered in warts. Ugh. Um, Had, like, big balls. Hell, yeah. Um. <laughs> Do they get chopped off by the end because the man is less hyper They chop off Rail's dick. Ah, all right. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> for a 50 year old album. <laughs> so, yeah, the live show was insane. Um, and people were like, what the fuck? Mm. Um, and then Gabriel was like, you know what? Um, maybe I've done all I can do with Genesis. Mm. Maybe we've gone as far as I can go. Yeah. And. He said to the guys, listen, uh, by the end of, like, after this tour, I'm, I'm going solo. Hmm. Um, and everybody you know, was happy with that, probably. Well, they were kind of annoyed because their singer was leaving, but. Yeah, I mean. But, like, they kind of, I think they kind of understood. Right, yeah, after something like that, yeah. for sure. Um, so after the tour, they, first things first, they were like, all right, we got to, Pete's gone, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, Collins suggested, you know, they just go instrumental, mm-hmm. um, which got shot down quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, like you said, if Collins was funny, he's like, all right, what if we just don't have a singer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, all right, but what if he's I'm like, the singer? Because the, the, the instrumental stuff on, on Lamb was mm, not bad. Yeah. Um, but Collins didn't want to be the singer at first. Hmm. He was, he was like, I'm the drummer. This is my territory. Yeah. Um, I don't come out from back here. Yeah, it seems like drummers are kind of like that, too. I feel like they are a different breed in the band, typically. Yeah. Um, not all the time, but a lot of the time, I feel like they are comfortable being so, not the front man. Yeah, <laughs> some, some drummers want to be, you know, super flashy. Others want to just, you know, support the band. Right, yeah. Um, the, be- the, the ones we consider the best drummers are the ones who do both. Yeah, definitely. Um, but so they, so they had auditions. Yeah, for the, uh, I think like hundreds of people sent in tapes. Damn, um, it's weird to have auditions for a huge band like that. You never see a band like today being like, "Hey, we need a a drummer." <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, you know, you don't see any, any big bands like yeah. that. But that's cool. I, you know. uh, but in the end, uh, Phil Collins was singing the their like audition song mm-hmm. uh, for someone, and. Legend has it, it was John Anderson from Yes who sat in on the session and said to the others, 
uh, just use Phil. Just use Phil. And they did think, well, he was he sounds really good. Yeah. And after some uh, convincing, they they gave him lead singer status. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then moved on. So they, they filled the, after hundreds of yeah. hundreds of auditions. Now they good, good. Now, luckily for them, while they were deciding, they were already like in the studio, like jamming, mm-hmm. writing, recording instrumentals. Right. Um. So Phil just had to like dub himself. Oh, those. cool. So they were writing the whole time. They didn't really slow down yeah. that much. And, and Gabriel Gabriel even down. came in and like observed like what they were doing, and he said like they sounded real tight. Hmm. Well, that's um, good. Yeah. Even okay, so they're still friendly with Gabriel. They were still friendly. Yeah. Uh, and Gabriel would obviously find his own success. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they Salisbury, found a different. The, where are you go. Actually, the song Salisbury Hill. Mm-hmm. You know that one is is about his feelings toward leaving Genesis. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, the, it's like an ode to the band. Yeah. Yeah. It's in a, <laughs> it's, in a it's in five four because he felt like his heart was was skipping a beat. He was nervous. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but they found, speaking of, Gabriel found his own success. Gabriel found his own success. Genesis found a new success. Genesis found new success. Two albums, 1976. Two albums. Uh, a Trick of the Tail was the first album without Peter Gabriel and with Phil Collins on lead vocals. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think it was the most commercially successful up to that point. The, the live shows, like, the crowds were way bigger. Oh, yeah, and this yeah. was a lot of pressure on Phil Collins, who had not been a lead singer yet up yeah. to this point. He was sweating. Yeah, like yeah. he was. Uh, he he said like when he first started, he would like he would just like have a piece of paper with notes. Yeah, on what to say to the crowd. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny when you when you know how he would end up. Yeah, true. Damn, and but was, he handled it well. After the first few times, he handled it he had well. His paper. It was. It was an adjustment from the Gabriel shows in a lot of ways, because mm. uh, Collins obviously wasn't gonna like wear costumes. Yeah, uh, and no, he that's also, a shame. yeah, and he also uh, wasn't much of a storyteller. He didn't take himself too seriously. Yeah, uh, his strategy was usually to you know come out up front and tell jokes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so audiences liked him. They thought he was charming. He was funny. Okay. Um, and then like. They they had to get another drummer for, for touring. Mm-hmm. Um, so for this first tour, they got uh, Bill Bruford, who had played in Yes and King Crimson. Oh. Um, That's a good portfolio. Yeah. yeah. So this was just him completing the trifecta, um, of big prog bands. Right. Um, but then there were moments where, like, Collins could. They had a second drum kit, and Collins could just go back, and they could like have a dueling drum solo. Hmm. And it that would, is kind of sick. Yeah, that yeah. would be. <laughs> Um, but so trick of the tail, uh, big success, uh, next album, uh, wind and Wuthering. Mm. uh, they were much more confident. Uh, and this is where I think my takes are going to start to get a little hot. Okay. Cause I think wind and Wuthering is like. Together with Selling England by the Pound is like their best album. Really? I adore. So the reason I picked this topic for the show is because I listened to over 3,000 hours of Genesis last year. <laughs> Wind and Wuthering was my most listened album. Really? The, the production is crisp. Mm. The song, the melodies are like some of the best they've ever had. Catchy as hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Oh, uh, God. Phil's, Phil's singing sounds way more confident than it does on Trick of the Tail. Mm-hmm. Trick of the Tail, he still kind of sounds like uh, a backup singer. Mm. Wind and Wuthering, he is like up there full Strong. force. And his his drumming is as dynamic as ever. Damn. Um, the criticisms that get thrown at this album are typically, uh, first of all, that Steve Hackett was uh, getting the short end of the stick in terms of uh, writing credits. Because mm. um, Tony Banks, the keyboards, did a lot of the writing. Right. Uh, and the band would often choose his songs. Um, and at this point, at this point, they were choosing them over Steve Hackett's. Hmm. And he was getting a little frustrated. Yeah. Um, and there's one song from these sessions that did not make it onto the album uh, that got relegated to, you know, the B side of an EP that didn't even get released in the states. Hmm. And that that is so tragic for this song because it is, I think one of one of the band's finest moments. It's called Inside and Out. Hmm. Um, and the thing. So this album is almost perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason people rate it lower than A Trick of the Tail. A Trick of the Tail is great. I I, th- I think Trick of the Tail is a little, uh, I think there's some, it's, it's kinda, it gets kind of dull in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, starts great. D- Dance on a Volcano is, you know, amazing, entangled, uh, ripples, mm. um, you know, all great songs. Um, but Window when, when Wuthering, I just feel like they sounded more, they, they sounded more confident as a band, and the, the criticisms they could throw out this album, Hackett getting the short end of the stick, and the inclusion of their first, really, not their first commercial hit, but their first song that, like, sounded like a commercial hit, and that was Your Own Special Way. Because... Mm. Genesis went from doing like either like very serious or very whimsical songs to this like soppy, cheesy love ballad. Mm. And I I don't even I don't hate the song. Mm-hmm. I just think it does not. It doesn't. First of all, it doesn't fit. And when I'm when I'm in the mood for a Genesis for yeah, like could. this album. Mm-hmm. I'm not really in the mood for it. I typically, I switch it out for Inside and Out when yeah, I listen to it. You could tell that they were trying to go for yeah. something that yeah. didn't match the rest of the yeah. album. Again, some amazing melodies. Right. Um, if you're in it for, like, the fun of it, these are, yeah, yeah. these are fun. You, yeah. If you're not taking yourself too yeah. seriously and then, um, and then there's there's the songs that people typically point to when they praise this album. 11th Earl of Mar, uh, One for the Vine, both excellent. The instrumental suite that um, leads into the final song on the album Afterglow, mm-hmm. which uh, ended up being the most played live song from this album. Um, it's a very pretty song. Right. Um, yeah, it sounds like uh, kind of what, what they were going through before with how in they were finding their, like when um, Peter Gabriel first came on, they were finding their stride, and then they found it and had a good, you know, couple albums mm-hmm. there. It sounds like it, it happened with... A trick of the tail where they had to readjust and they weren't as confident and they kind of hit their stride again with wind and weathering. Right. Now, you got to understand up to this point, uh, they had gotten like more and more sort of progressive mm-hmm. uh, and really hit the peak of that mm-hmm. with uh, the lamb. Okay. Because what's more progressive than a than a 
double concept album. Yeah. So all they could really do from there was sort of go back. Right, and try to r- ride their yeah. mainstream and so sound it, And so you more. get to a trick of the tail, and they've still got that prog sound, but they've gone back to the conventional album format. Mm-hmm. There aren't as many little instrumental interludes. Each song is contained within itself. Mm-hmm. But then you get to Wind of Wuthering, and the songwriting sounds a little more accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of like a, almost like a progressive pop album. Mm. Uh, it's it sort of reminds me like like if like ELO, but a little more like guitar based. I don't know if that's a good <laughs> way of putting it. Yeah, ELO without the orchestra and with Steve Hackett shredding. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit more conventional, a little bit more accessible at this yeah. point. Um, Which started to get on Steve Hackett's nerves a little. Because mm. uh, he was starting to miss like the, the, the whimsy of the, the earlier. artistic stuff. Yeah. Parts of the art housey stuff. Yeah. Of it. And plus, uh, after Gabriel left, but before Collins took over, he Steve Hackett put out a solo album because mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't sure of the future of the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really well received. And so after Wind and Wuthering, he wanted to do another solo album. Mm. But because he because, like I said, they didn't use a lot of his songs right. on the album. Uh, but the rest of the band said no. Mm-hmm. And he ended they up were, leaving. after. Yeah, this they one, were right? they were mixing the the live album, their second live album, Seconds Out, which features Phil Collins singing a lot of the Peter Gabriel era songs. Hmm. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And they were mixing the album, and Hackett was just like, you know what? I'm going to go do a solo career. Huh? Like, if you're not going to use my songs, then, like, why am I here? Which right. which makes sense when you think about it, because they, they the songs were starting to get shorter. They weren't doing, like, these lengthy guitar sections anymore, and they hired Hackett to do the lengthy guitar sections. Yeah. So <laughs> now he's like, you guys don't even want me anymore. Yeah. You don't need it. Which brings us to the next album. And then there were three. And then there were three. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible name. I like the name personally. <laughs> it's like, well, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's just it's, us now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but it makes the album feel like it doesn't, like uh, it's missing a it piece. doesn't respect itself. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, which is a shame because it's, it's an album that's been, you know, tossed off by not only a lot of fans, but by the band itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big change on And Then There Were Three was the songs got shorter. The The writing was getting more, uh, more like verse chorusy, Even more accessible. Yeah. So they're trying to, they're trying to lean into what they were doing with the wind and wuthering a little bit yeah. more. Huh. Um, but still, you know, a couple of songs like the, like, uh, the, the opener down and out, Mm-hmm. Um, which is in my top five Genesis songs, mm. uh, is again, it's got an, it's in that odd time signature. It's in a minor key. Um, Collins is singing from the perspective of like a fat cat businessman, <laughs> like a music executive. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, it's a song that gets me pumped up. Okay. Uh, but the rest of the, the rest of the album just kind of falls flat. <sighs> yeah. There's, I mean, there. Look, there's some great 
moments. There's some great seeds of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, Undertow is a really is a really beautiful song mm-hmm. um, about um, em- about embracing death. Right. So like they they kind of were still, you know, trying to do that style of songwriting, but but again, the songs were the songs were getting shorter, and there's definitely moments where you could think like. I bet Steve Hackett would do a really good <laughs> lick right there. Yeah, I bet he'd go into a whole cool thing. Right, um, and it's hard to forget it when it's called and then number three. Yeah, yeah, yeah it stinks. But the thing most people know this album for is the final track, mm-hmm. "Follow You, Follow Me." Yeah, yeah, that's what I have. The one that I this was the one. The one. This was the one that made them a mainstream pop group. Okay. Really changed um, the the direction for the band. Yeah, so it worked technically if you think about it. Worked. It worked. Yeah, um, and they were they were getting you know loads of success from the single, uh, and they were doing you know all this touring. Mm-hmm. However, behind the scenes things were not so uh, cheery. Mm. So up to this point, um, and you can look at the writing credits on, it, and then there were three. Um, as an example of this, Phil Collins didn't really do that much writing. Mm-hmm. Um, he would he would occasionally contribute like lyrics or you know a a cool like drum pattern um, and get a writing credit. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually he was just um, I don't want to say a sideman, but more of a collaborator. Gotcha. Um, however, things sort of took a turn for him personally um, when they were working on this album. Duke. Uh, yeah. His, so, his wife started to get really um, annoyed with him because hmm. uh, he was spending uh, so much time on his career. He was spending so much time uh working on it, and then there were three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his wife, his wife said to him, uh, if you go on this tour, uh, I'm leaving you. Ultimatum. They just had this big hit. Right. So and so Collins gonna... was like, I really think this band is going somewhere. Yeah. And I think it could like do a lot for our family. Mm-hmm. So he went on the tour. Mm-hmm. And when the tour wrapped up, he said to the other two, uh, all right, I'm going to go to Vancouver where my wife and son are living and see if I can patch things up. Mm -hmm. He unfortunately could not. Mm. So he got, he went back to the UK and he just wrote a bunch of songs. Mm. Uh, pulling from the experience. Heartbreak songs. Yeah. And he brought them to the other guys and he said, here's what I have. Take what you want. Um, anything you don't want, I'll just put it on my solo album. So, so this the, is when Phil Collins really finds himself as an yeah. artist. And, and this is, yeah. Phil Collins-centric genesis. Yeah. The two songs that they picked were Misunderstanding, mm-hmm. which ended up being... Not a hit in the UK, but it was a big hit in the US, hmm. um, which makes sense because it's got more of like a, it's got kind of like a Motown feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Collins was hugely inspired by Motown. 
Um, and the other song they chose was Please Don't Ask, mm. which is a very sentimental, personal breakup ballad. But you know what song they didn't pick? Mm-hmm. In the Air Tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. So Collins became a big megastar. Yeah, and that's my thing is there's still one, two, three, four, five, six other albums after this period that you're talking about right now. It does It does get kind of less interesting from here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, and that's my thing. Is if, if that song kicks out for Phil Collins in this time, how is he still releasing music and touring with them and so the, not focusing on himself as a mega pop star? I mean, he mainly did. Because hmm. uh, after the Duke tour and then um, In the Air Tonight got big, mm-hmm. um, they each sort of worked on solo projects. Right. Uh, Collins did another solo album. Um, Tony Banks did a solo album. Um, Mike Rutherford started another band called Mike and the Mechanics, hmm. which that's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they weren't as successful as Collins. I don't know if they were even as successful as Genesis, but they were pretty big. Right. right. Um, and then every couple of years they would just like get back together and yeah. make a new Genesis album. A little bit more sparse and just kind of it yeah. almost became like a, th- a super band at this point. That's what it yeah, sounds kinda. like. Because well, it was kind of a super band before when you yeah. know when they had everybody in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at this point, Phil Collins definitely takes the main yeah. stage and, and does his own thing. Yeah, and you can tell like on Duke, uh, there's a lot more like power and authenticity in Collins' vocals. Hmm. Like, like this is like it's all coming from a real place. A lot of there there are Genesis fans who consider Duke to be their masterpiece oh really these are mainly yeah people who uh prefer the pop stuff right really like Duke, but also the 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 prog fans um have a lot of appreciation for respect it it. yeah okay because it is um it does borrow a lot from from prog traditions there are uh the album has you know sort of an overarching theme a theme a concept Mm -hmm. um there's some lengthy instrumental passages um Odd time signatures. Yeah. Fun um, stuff. Yeah. Fun artistic yeah. experiment. Turn it on again. Uh one of the big singles from this album has yeah. like oh my god, like three fucking time signatures. <laughs> it's 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 impossible to dance to. Right. <laughs> but it was a big hit. Yeah, I'm trying to find the beat. I don't know where it is, but yeah. it's there. Every now and then they just add an extra one. Just yeah. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. So yeah, so this is kind of the point where uh, each personality and i feel like this also just comes with age too i mean (laughs) at some point in your life you start just you know living your own life a little bit more than trying to like live off of other people's life or not live off of other people's but like instead of collaborating and like you know they're just doing their own thing for the most part yeah yeah and it's i think i don't know of many bands that have been able to pull it off as uh, as well as Genesis did. Yeah, deeply and richly and still, like, I mean, as a person who's listening, I mean, can you tell me, are there still great songs that you love and uh, We Can't Dance by 1991? <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> because Jesus, he knows me is catchy. Yeah. <laughs> because I again, like the video. You know, translating it for, for my Weezer brain, it's just like at this point in the band's career, there, it sounds like comparable to like, there's not a lot of songs that people really want to yeah. hear at this point. But, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, um, 
But there's peaks and yeah. valleys. Yeah. So the next the next couple albums um, are more of like the, you know, aiming for that commercial success. Yeah. Um, Abacab is a bit more of a. It's a bit more experimental mm-hmm. than their last few albums because they were like, you know what, if let's try just like a new sound. Yeah. See, that's what I respect is like I just like bands that and this is always the point of the people's career where it's like, oh, why don't you do the same thing that you used to do or like, yeah. you know, like go back or like even just stop making music yeah. at this point. And it's like, all right, well, at this point, they got to try something different. And some of it's going to hit and some of it's going to not. Yeah. It's like they had to evolve. Right. Every yeah. every prog band has the well, I guess we got to go pop now. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it happened with it happened with Genesis. Happened with Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened with Jethro Tull, and then everyone hated it. So they were like, "All right, we're back to Prague." <laughs> <laughs> the next album, they, they was just back to the old sound. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite thing. Yeah. Well, no, I don't. I, I disrespect bands that do that. It's like, all right, unless it's like really, really good and it is comparable to what they did before, and it's really good. If you're going back to your old sound, it's like you tried to change, and then you got backlash for it, and now you're you're reneging basically, and that's fucking yeah. Uh, disrespectful. I don't know. I don't like that. Yeah, so the next few albums, uh, the self-titled and Invisible Touch, each one was more successful than the last. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Invisible Touch is not a good album, mm. which is another hot take of mine. I think Abacab's better. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Land of Confusion. Uh, the rest of the album does not do it for me. <laughs> Into Deep is... It's just such. It's just such cheese. Yeah. Um, Invisible touch reminds me too much of Katy Perry's California Girls. <laughs> um, Even though it came out in 1986. Exactly. <laughs> um, that and like a jazz or size tape. Yeah. <laughs> so I really like that album. Uh, I like the self-titled. Um, okay. The singles from that are great. Mama is um, a terrific song. Um, it's similar to In the Air Tonight. Mm. It's like six minutes long. It comes in with big drums in the middle. They needed their own version. Yeah. 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 It rules. Right. <laughs> um, so by the mid-90s, um, Collins had been like, he was huge. Yeah. And Disney was tapping him to do like a lot of their soundtracks. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a yeah. fun period. Yeah. Brother Bear, Tarzan. Right. Um, he didn't have time to do Genesis anymore. Hmm. They wanted to do another album. Uh or it was more along. It, it was more an attitude of, uh, should should we find a new singer and do another album? Why not? <laughs> what have we got to lose? Yeah. <laughs> At this point, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. They replaced their singer before they could do it again. Right. Um. So they got this guy. Uh, his name is Ray. His name Wilson. Is Ray Wilson. Yeah. He was in a band called Stiltskin. Um. Which is a forgotten '90s. It's banned from Scotland. <laughs> um, and they did their new album, Calling All Stations, in 1998? Yeah, uh, 1997 is what I have. And they were calling on all stations to help them make money off of this album, yeah. is what it sounds like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they tried to go back to Prague, oh. um, but also do like a like a cool 90s edge mm. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's boring. Yeah. Yeah. Some fans really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they just like to be contrarians. Yeah. Um, just for the sake of argument. Yeah. It happens. The tour didn't sell. They actually, like, canceled the tour. Because <laughs> it was just so bad. people weren't buying tickets. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, sucks. And they're like, you know what? I guess that's the end of Genesis. Yeah. Um, they got back together for a couple reunion tours. Uh, 
namely one in uh, 2021, which I happened to go see at the Los oh, Fargo shit. Center. Hell yeah. Um, All old and wrinkly. Old, wrinkly. Uh, Phil Collins is not the performer he used to be. <laughs> I can't imagine. He uh, he had to he can't hit the high notes anymore. Oh, no. um, he can't play drums anymore. Although oh. his son Nick uh, played drums and was very good. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he stole the show, huh? honestly. Nice. But but Phil Collins, um, you could definitely tell was uh, run out ready. of steam. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they called the tour the last domino with an with a question mark. <laughs> no, they were there's, like, there's maybe no not. But at the end, they're like, yeah, no, no, it's sad. the last domino. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you got to see them. No, that's cool. I got to see them. Yeah, and this um, was after you had fully enveloped yourself in their discography. So yeah, that's always a fun thing to like yeah. because like, am I gonna get a chance to see this yeah. band that I? <laughs> this yeah. is a crucial part of my experience as yeah. a, a human being. And, uh, I never got to see the Beatles. Yeah, true. I got to see a fully, I mean, a fully formed, I got to see a formed Genesis. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. That's a good way to, um, you know, kind of, like I said, almost a little bit of closure, yeah. in a sense. And plus, there's a ton of, even even if Genesis isn't touring, there are so many shows where you can hear Genesis music. Right. This Saturday, I am going to the Keswick Theater to see... <laughs> A band called The Genesis Show, yeah, which is a tribute to the Phil Collins era of Genesis. Shit, okay. As opposed to the musical Box, Damn. who does the Peter Gabriel era yeah. with full theatrics. Yeah, do you think they have feuds? They're like, you don't got the props. We got the <laughs> <You> props. <laughs> God, I would love to see just like a... Like an Anchorman style fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the musical Box just throws like a... Oh, what, what does he hold? Like a, a, a lasso? What are you talking about? Well, I'm just trying to think of like a prop from the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. it just like runs over the guy with the lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, yeah, but that would be fun. Yeah. I hope they fight sometime. And also, I would uh, love to see and also Steve Hackett yeah. is still making music and still huh. touring, uh, playing both his new music and Genesis stuff. He's got a band. Oh, shit. He's still hacking it out. Good he's still him. hacking it to bits. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, but yeah, he's he's really Jesus he's really Christ. good. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, and yeah. his solo stuff is also worth checking out. Yeah. Uh, he never stopped doing the prog thing. Okay. So yeah, for people who missed that's that sound. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, he stayed true to yeah. his artists. And way. Then also, Peter Gabriel. Uh, I would say that he's gone inactive, but he just put out a new single. Oh, shit. He's put out a new album this year. Oh, shit. <laughs> hype. Yeah, no, that is hype. Yeah. So they're still pumping, dude. This band that started in the 60s. They're still working. <laughs> they're still they're still putting things out. Maybe they should, the guys but who they are, are. The guys who are... <laughs> I mean, the three guys who stayed in the band uh, have called it a day. Right. Um, although I think, I think Banks and Rutherford are still, like, Trying doing projects, yeah. Trying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, at some point, you like I said, I, I still respect bands, I respect the artists in general, like creativity and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah by the time I'm you know, I'm still gonna be recording podcast episodes, even if yeah. I don't get a hit, you know, <laughs> even if I don't get big or whatever, I'm still gonna be doing things out, you know, at that point in my life. And just for the sake of doing it. And the fact that they have a legacy to, like, kind of feed into that is like, yeah, yeah, that's fucking awesome that they're still doing that. Um, Even if it's terrible, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, what's what's great, too, is not a lot of bands have... Not a lot of bands have such a unique 
identity mm-hmm. that that a tribute band can like can capture it mm-hmm. so well, you know? Yeah. Like like you can like a, a four guys can can put on like suits and wigs and say like, "Hey, we look like the Beatles." Hmm. We're going to do like some scripted stuff that when they did it was off the cuff. Yeah. Um but with but with both these early Genesis shows like they were intentionally performed a certain way and I'm, and it's and it's great that those shows are not going to be lost to time. Yeah. It's sort of like like uh, a play. It's like when you revive like a Broadway show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like the not only is the music not going to be forgotten um the everything around it will also stay alive the experience especially and this is uh, another <laughs> this is another uh, sort of branching topic the lamb lies down on broadway mm-hmm. the live show was never filmed wow it was never filmed officially we uh it is considered lost media hmm. we don't we do not have a full clear uh f- movie mm-hmm. of the lamb lies down on broadway as it was performed what we do have uh, we have clips. We have like some people filmed it on like eight millimeter cameras yeah. back in the day, um, and the musical box, mm-hmm. uh, you know, collected all this footage, and they got and they they got the props from Genesis, mm-hmm. and so their current tour uh, is like this is it. Yeah, this is the closest we can ever get to. The to, real to seeing this album performed yeah. as it was intended. Damn. Yeah. And this is the last tour they're doing it. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Even the tribute bands are getting old at this yeah. point. That sucks. That's, <laughs> see, that's what that's what messed with me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I when I was a kid, I would see I would see these like Beatles tribute bands, and now I go on check their like social media. And it's like, uh, our old pole retired. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> we are in a, <laughs> another wave, this dude. Is, yeah. This is too many levels. Damn, you're going to get a tribute to a tribute band, yeah. a tribute to the box. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> you should do it. You should start it, dude. <laughs> I, 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 I would love to be in a Genesis tribute band. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I, one day. Those songs are so fun to sing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you sing them too. Yeah, dude. So you could do it. You could. Yeah. You could. You could. Especially because Gabriel and Collins both had like this sort of smoke-filled tenor voice. Mm, yeah. Um, and I feel like I have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You feel like you go yeah. for it. Yeah, I would. I would love to. Like, I would. Gabriel shave like shaved a square into like. Right here on his head. Yeah. I'd do that. Yeah, fuck it. Fuck Why it. not? Yeah, yeah. It's for the If band. it's my job? Yeah, true. If you're getting paid for it. Yeah. Definitely. Damn. If it's my livelihood and I have fun doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good yeah. way to do it. This man. is a this is a, a a public call to anyone who wants to start a Genesis tribute with me. Reach out to him. Yeah, well, this is yeah. Uh, that's a good this is a good part to wrap up on, I think. Yeah, reach out to Sam. Uh, at Toucan Sam, Toucan Sam underscore Wolf, Wolf on Instagram. Do you have any other uh, contacts, reach, reaching out, shows, things you want to promote? Um, my Twitter is at Wolfie's Wise Words. Okay. Um, Wolf, Y-S, Wise Words. Right. Um, I host a bi-monthly comedy showcase cool. at Rotten Ralph's. It's called Totally Normal Wednesday. The company, company that produces that is called What Is It Comedy. You can follow that on Instagram. Right. 
Um, and that is all I have to plug. Cool. All right. Uh, and the new Genesis tribute band, and whenever the that new, starts the up. the future Genesis Look out for tribute. That. Yeah. <laughs> We've also got a, uh, I set up a, an email for you if you want to send anything in. I love hearing from the fans. Uh, articulate with Steve McJ at gmail.com. Send me hate mail. I don't care. Uh, but uh, but yes, yeah, Sam, uh, thanks for coming out. We went through the entire history of Genesis, which is not an easy Isn't feat. Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> Feels good to get it off your chest, right? Yeah, for me, for me this is Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming out. I appreciate we'll you having me. Here. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a little mic bump and we'll wrap it up. Have a good one, sir. You too.